Thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. Hi, everybody. We're glad to be back with you. And today we're going to be discussing being transformed. Yes. So this is your life verse that you live by. And what is that, Joe? This was on my cake when I got ordained. Yes. It's Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Amen. So we're going to dive into that. What exactly does it mean to not conform? Yeah. And what does it mean to be transformed? So I want to get into that a little bit deeper today. I think that one thing that we can think of all the time is that that you can easily get distracted with the things that's happening in the world today or in your life in general, how busy we are, right? Yes. So it's imperative that we have a transformed lifestyle and a transformed mindset. Yeah. So go ahead, kick it off. Well, when I think about being conformed to the patterns of this world, the first thing that comes to mind is all of the things that we feel like are normal in society. Yeah. A lot of those things are looking out for ourselves, you know, because it's like everybody, it's a dog eat dog world. So in society, it's everybody's looking out for number one. Like you got to take care of yourself because nobody else is going to look after you like that. But in the kingdom, that's not the way it works. In the kingdom, we go low. In the kingdom, we are servants. In the kingdom, we put everyone above us. Now, that doesn't mean that we think any less of ourselves. We still walk in knowing who we are in Christ, but we lift others up above ourselves. So when we conform to the patterns of the world, we say, I'm looking out for number one. I'm looking out for me and mine and forget everybody else. That's being conformed to the world. That's one example. There's so many examples we can go into And I don't know that we'd have enough time for all of it today, but I do want to dig up a few of those most common examples. Actually, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a a very good scripture that goes together. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, Paul has a lot to say right there in that little bit. If you think about it, in the world, we can easily get caught up, just like what you were saying. We can get the focus on wrong purpose or wrong goals, ambition, desire. You know, society cries out for our attention today, don't you think? Yeah, right. Yeah. I think that God has put us in a place where he's saying he needs the sons and daughters to rise up. When we rise up and we take our place in society as kingdom livers, so to speak, I'm not talking about just saying we're a Christian. I'm talking about walking the walk, not talking the talk. And that's the difference. Then we're an example to others around us of what exactly it looks like to be a light to the world. People are drawn to that. Being a city on a hill, being an example for other people of what it means to walk in Christ, to be a servant, to have a servant's heart. 
and to not conform to the patterns of the world. Yeah. You know, God's laid out stuff for us. He desires us to achieve certain things when we're moving in the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a spiritual battle. And, and the thing with the spiritual battle is a spiritual battle for our mind and our soul. And it's unseen with our natural eyes. And to be honest, it's unknown by, by most, don't you think? Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize the spiritual battle that's going on. You know, Paul says it in Ephesians when he's writing a letter to Ephesians, it's not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness. Yeah. And when we get so focused on what the world has for us, and we do not transform the way we think and the way we see, and, and we're supposed to worship God in spirit and truth. He's spirit, and we should be worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Part of that comes with transforming your mind. Paul says, live with a spiritual mindset. When you put your faith in Christ, it's to live with a spiritual mindset. And Paul's telling us that we are to live more than a physical life in Christ. We're supposed to live a spiritual life in Christ. That's right. Yeah. Well, and because we're to take on his image, and we can't take on his image without taking on his characteristics. That's what reflects him, is when we walk in his ways and we display his love and his light to the world, not through like just, oh, I'm going to act this out. It has to be authentic. It has to be the, the Holy Spirit that brings that power for transformation and also that brings that power in to where others see Christ through us. We're talking about transformation, and you and I both, we teach that you cannot have transformation without revelation. Right. You know, you see people that they might have head knowledge of Scripture. They could quote Scripture all day, but their life is not going to be transformed until they have revelation. And revelation is really a gift of grace from God. God imparts his wisdom. When we seen Jesus speaking in parables in the scripture, what did he say to his disciples about it? Not everybody's going to understand. Right. You know, but to those that he's given that gift to understand, for him to reveal that to them, that is a gift. So when we have revelation, then transformation takes place. But it has to come through truth. You just said this the other day that we talked about how truth can bring transformation, and it's because the Scripture says the truth will set us free. Yes. So the truth sets us free from the lies that keeps us in bondage, but at the same time, the truth sets us free because we can be fully transformed. It doesn't hold us in that place of conforming, but brings us to a place of being set free to be transformed. So there's this grace, this anointing upon the truth that comes to those who are chosen to receive that gift of revelation. Right. If we're not living a transformed life, why is that? If it's because we haven't received that revelation, then I tell you, there should be a hunger, a desire to go after God for it. Yes. You know, to just press in and say, God, I want to be transformed by you. I want to receive transformation. I want to receive revelation. I think you said it a few sentences ago. You talked about the Holy Spirit leading us. And I think that's the important part is being baptized with the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have those spiritual eyes to be able to see differently than the way you used to see it. And I can honestly attest to that. The way I used to think, the way I used to see things 
when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Yeah. And I did childish things, but when I grew up, I put away the childish things, and I became somebody new. And part of that becoming new is changing the way you think. Yeah, I used to think more like the world, and um, and I, that's why I love this verse so much, is do not conform to the patterns of this world. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, yes. get that? God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul's saying, hey, because of his mercy, can you see his mercy? I'm saying transform the way you think now. Present your body as a human sacrifice. He's saying because of God's compassion, we should present, show, or provide our bodies as a holy set apart. Mm -hmm. That's good. For God, right? How can we give our bodies, let's get into that a little bit deeper. How can we give our bodies to God as a living sacrifice? Mm. And the first thing that comes to my mind is making sure that we put him first. I mean, seek first the kingdom of God, right? Right. So if we're putting him first before anything in our lives, I think that's that's one way that we're uh, we're giving him our body as a sacrifice Another thing that comes to mind for me is studying his word. I'm offering my mind to him, my brain. I'm giving him that part of my body that's also connected to my heart through that revelation. I'm offering that as a living sacrifice to say, I'm going to get into your word. I'm going to press into your presence. Being a living sacrifice is also that. It's not putting drugs in your body. It's not putting things that are unhealthy in your body, but taking care of it because God, this is God's creation. So as a living sacrifice, I'm going to care for it. I'm going to steward my body well. I mean, it can go so much further than that. A lot of times people will think, offer my body as a living sacrifice. Okay, God's calling me to service in the kingdom, which he does. He calls all of us to serve in some way. And ministry can be in a workplace. Ministry can be in the church. It's outside the walls of the church. It's everywhere. But it's more than that. Right. And I think it has to start with seeking first the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And then everything else comes from that. Yeah. So if I'm offering him, my body is a living sacrifice. It has to be that first and foremost, my body's for him. And that means being in his presence, getting in his word, praying, seeking him, then as an outpouring of that, as a fruit of that, I can pour out to others in love. Right. Absolutely. You, you look at it differently and you'll be able to see them differently and, and it'll be easier to pour that out, right? Right. And, and that fruit will come out with the love and the kindness and the joy and the happiness. Yeah. You know, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creature. The old has passed away, and behold, new things have come. And I, I believe that goes right along with that Romans scripture that he's writing. He's saying, hey, if you're in Christ, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you have Christ in you, you're a new creature in Christ. Yeah. That, that old is gone. So stop thinking the way you used to think. Right. And start thinking the way that God has made your mind. Yeah. And what goes right along with that in Second Corinthians in 3.18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who's in the Spirit. With unveiled faces, 
we contemplate the Lord's glory and we're being transformed into his image. Right. Wow. Isn't that beautiful to think about that? We know that he calls us to be new in him, that he's created in us a new DNA, a new structure. I feel like when we say that we're a new creature, it's just going back to the beginning because he already created us in our mother's womb to be perfectly and wonderfully made. But then all of the fallenness of the world has infected our lives. And so it's like he's going back and restoring that to its original value. So this transformation that's happening as we now have an unveiled face and we see the glory of God. We see who he is. We see his face. We have this relationship with him. Through that, we see his glory. We're being transformed through that glory. We're becoming more like him. We're beginning to ever increasingly walk in that glory. And all of that is from him. It's from his spirit living in us. Right. But there has to be a submissiveness on our part. I think there's yes. such a spirit of rebellion. Mm, yeah. And that's the Antichrist spirit. Right. Anything well, you, that you goes know, against God. Earlier in, in that Romans letter, Paul writes in verse or chapter 6, he's saying, Hey, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, the rebellion part, mm-hmm. but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Right. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Right. And it's like, yeah, don't be into that rebellion state. Don't Paul's saying, hey, don't live in that lifestyle of the sin, but be living a, a lifestyle of righteousness. It all comes back to our beliefs. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we're believing a lie, we're going to walk in that. And that means sin is going to be right there crouching at the door. The fruit from our lives is going to be sin. I mean, that's just all a product of that. It's a spirit of rebellion, and it's an antichrist spirit. Satan went against God in rebellion. And that spirit is on the earth getting people to conform to that. (laughs) You know, That's the norm for this world. And that's why God's saying you're called out of that because that's not who I created you to be. I created you for something so much greater. And just like we go back to the scripture of that when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. We can then see those lies for what they are. We have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to draw a line in the sand to say, This is the truth, and this is what I want to walk in now. I can continue to live in rebellion, but if I do, I'm not giving my my life to Christ as a living sacrifice. We can only serve one master. There's nothing in between. Right. How do we become spiritually transformed? That's the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah. To transform us. But we have a partnership in that. We can't just put it all on him to say, okay, Lord, transform me. Because he can. He's so powerful. Like in an instant, you could be transformed. In an instant. A lot of times people will say, well, God didn't transform me like he did other people. Like so-and-so was saved and they were healed and delivered from all their alcoholism. Well, I believe a little bit deeper than that. I believe that everybody is. Mm. But I believe that sometimes people believe the lie they're not. So they'll still walk in it. Right. So it's like that 
they're not living in that unveiled faces, you know, yeah. like it talks about, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Their their eyes are still veiled in a lie. Right. So they're still living in that, even though technically they've already been set free. Right. It's just, are they choosing to see that truth and to live in it? Amen. And um, there is a partnership we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. I mean, Holy Spirit will work and woo us into transformation and he'll mold us because God is a gentleman. Right. He doesn't force himself. Corey Long gave a testimony on Sunday, very powerful. And he said that relationships are formed, not forced. Yes. That's so true. And Holy Spirit does not force anything on us. God does not force. He forms right. that relationship with us. Mm-hmm. We see that in his characteristics. He's a gentleman. He says, look, this is I've given you free will. I'm not going to take that back because I'm not a man that I should lie. I've given you this as a gift. Right. And I'm going to honor that free will, even if you make decisions that I don't like. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to woo you into this direction. I'm going to show you and teach you and reveal to you why you should be living this way. But you have to cooperate in that. Right. Or it's going to be a longer process. And we're going to go around this mountain many times. The more that we can submit and we just let him have his way in us, that's where transformation takes place. Amen. I mean, obviously he laid it out for us in our Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven. When we're crying out to him saying, hey, don't lead me, you know, Lord, help me stay away from the temptations of what the world has and just allow me to line up with your word. Just a quick testimony on my part. I really didn't believe the word. I, I didn't believe the Bible. I didn't believe in God. But I realized I didn't want that world no more. I needed to be transformed. I didn't realize that that verse was in the Bible. Right. But I said, I picked that Bible up and I said, if something's going to change me, maybe it's going to be this. And at the time when I started reading it, it wasn't because I believed it. It was just because I needed something different than where I was sitting. But once I started reading it and God started speaking to me and revealing himself to me, I started submitting to that. And then I thought that was one of my thoughts also is if I do what's in this Bible, I won't ever be back in prison. But I figured if I follow this, I won't be back in this. I'm going to be transformed. It's crazy because you hear of prison religion and people always claiming they got God and, and they're they're changed and they're going to come out and they're not going to walk like that no more. And guess what? Then they end up right back in. But right. I don't think they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has to, you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I come to fulfill the law. That's and how right. was he going to fulfill it? He was going to indwell his spirit on us. Right. And we was going to start to start to think differently, start to act differently, start to do things differently. Right. The fulfillment is the infilling. Yes. Yeah. So that's so good. And Second Thessalonians 3, 5, it says, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. And that's that indwelling, that he directs our hearts into his love, like yeah. he's pouring out that into us and teaching us to persevere and to just live differently, to have a whole different outlook. You had given a sermon one time where you were talking about seeing through a new set of lenses. Yeah. And so, you know, and you use that scripture about seeing through a glass dimly. 
And I think that that's exactly what happens, that as we have that the unveiled faces, we begin to start seeing now. Maybe our vision isn't the most clearest. It might be a little bit fuzzy, but the Lord begins to put these new lenses on us that align with his vision. And when we see that, we're like, wow, we were so off base in the way we were living and what we were doing. I'm just going to give you this scenario. Um, They have these braces now that are like clear molded to your teeth. And Mm. I know this sounds irrelevant, but this is what the Lord's leading me is an analogy. But they have these Invisalign braces and they're like plastic and they go over your teeth and you wear those and they begin to pull your teeth into that placement. And then you go to the next set of plastic, mm. which pulls it again, because each one mm. is slowly pulling it into position. By the time you finish with the whole case of Invisalign, your teeth are aligned. And I believe that that's what happens in the spirit with Holy Spirit, that like there's this alignment taking place. And so he goes from one, like there's one thing at a time he will tackle to bring that into alignment where it needs to be. And then he's like, okay, now we're going to tighten them up a little bit more. And it's like our life is like these Invisalign retainers. You know, we're going from one to the next in the spirit as he brings everything into alignment. And the very end product is going to be this beautiful alignment but of our life. if you get tired and you don't wear them, yeah. guess what? Your teeth are going to go back to the yeah. way they was, maybe even worse. Right. If we get lazy about it or we don't want to put them in, if we don't want to do our part in taking part of that and mm-hmm. receiving that, then, yeah, they're going to be out of shape. They're never going to be fully aligned. It's a good analogy, and I'm glad that Holy Spirit brought that to me. Yeah. In Colossians 3, 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Again, this is speaking to our part and what we can do to surrender to God. Paul is saying, put that stuff to death. Crucify yourself with Christ. Yeah. Put that on the cross. Put that to death. If it's something that has to do with belonging to your earthly nature, it's stuff you don't need. Sexual immorality, you need to be as far away from that as you can be. If it's impure, get away from it. If it's lustful, if there's evil desires or you're feeling this greediness, you need to cut that off. It's all idolatry. All of that. If we're into sexual immorality, that's an idolatry. I mean, Paul is saying impurity, that's an idolatry. If it's lust, that you've made an idol of that. All of these things can be idols in our lives of things that we are trying to put before God in some way. Mm -hmm. In order to be transformed, our part in it is putting those things to death, saying, God, I surrender this to you. I'm not going to pick it back up anymore. I'm going to serve you. You know that Greek word transformed in, in Romans 12 too, is meaning being changed into another form. Mm. It's a total change of a renewing of your mind that is complete change for the better. A complete change for the better is not conforming, but transforming. Mm-hmm. 
being changed into a new creation. Yeah. The change is for the better to prove, test, and examine to see that the perfect will of God is good. And that's exactly, that's what happens with your realignment. When you get aligned and you start to see the beauty that is produced, and that's what we're doing. We're realigning the mind to be more like Christ. Right. And then all of a sudden you start saying, man, God is amazing. Yeah. When we think about the mind, let's go a little bit further to talk about our brain. I know that there has been research and studies in speaking in tongues where they've had people monitored to brain scans and all of that to see what part of their brains are working when they're speaking in tongues, just to kind of research that a little bit deeper. In that process, what they found was that there's a certain part of our brain that gets highlighted when we speak in our language. Mm. This is not what was highlighted when people speak in tongues. They were baffled by that. Because it's like a part of our brain that we typically don't use either. There's so much of our brain that they say that we don't even access. We don't utilize, but it's there. And I believe it's there for the supernatural. I don't believe that we can tap into it apart from God. I believe that's something that's set apart for God to use. Being transformed by the renewing of our mind and giving our body as a living sacrifice, I think that when we submit to him... We will see parts of our brain that maybe we don't we don't know about because we're not hooked up to wires and getting it monitored or whatever. I would propose that when we're walking in the healing power of God, we're laying hands on people and God is moving through us to bring healing to people. I would propose that there's parts of our brain that were we hooked up to a machine and they could see, it would be off the charts probably. Amen. That would be the case with any kind of anointing that we're walking under where God is moving through us. I believe that's access that he has. Being transformed by the renewing of our mind, we know that it's offering our lives as a sacrifice to say, God, transform me, make me new. But I believe it goes beyond that even scientifically into the access that he has when we surrender, that our brain literally is able to provide science behind it to Mm. say these are parts of the brain that we don't utilize, but yet, for whatever reason, they're lit up. So I believe there's so much more behind it that would just blow our mind if we knew all the facts about it. if we renewed it. You know, think about the analytical people that are so analytical. How much do they miss out on because they're trying to analyze a situation that's with a worldly mindset? Yes. When you're not like that, just like what you're saying, when you're laying hands on people and praying for people, you're going in with a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Actually believing that the person's going to get up out of that coma or or that hospital bed and defeat the odds of what the doctors are saying. Yeah. And when you go in with a, a transformed mindset, that you go in with the Holy Spirit leading and directing where you're going. Even when you're laying hands on somebody's swollen ankle or a broken bone or whatever. I know that you talk about a lot that when you close your eyes, you envision God coming off the throne and and touching the part that you're having your hands on. And and we've seen a lot of healing take place in, in that. But you're totally changing the way you're seeing the situation. You're transforming your mindset. 
you're actually seeing Jesus come in and touch it instead of just you touching it. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. I think that even doing that, like when you close your eyes and you're seeing him, you know, we're seated in heavenly places. We're able to see into the spirit where our spirit resides, which is with him in the throne room. At that point, yeah, he has full access. He can lead wherever he will. Talking about the brain and the mind, they're two different things. We know that. A lot of scripture points to our mind being in our heart, too. Yeah. Everything is like in the heart. Like that's that's our kingdom mind. When we think about being transformed by the renewing of our mind, it's really a renewal of the heart. Yeah. It comes down to the heart issue. Well, transformation begins in your mind. Right. But then it reveals itself in in your heart. Right. And then then your lifestyle then the fruit that comes out. So Right. Right. So our brain and our mind are two different things in the kingdom whereas here in the world, if we conform to the patterns of the world, we put mind and brain together. But that's mm. not it. Right. Kingdom says mind and heart are together. Being transformed by the renewing of our mind really is a heart transformation. First Peter 1, 13 to 16, it says, Therefore, with the minds that are alert and fully sober... Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in the ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Mm -hmm. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You know, uh, Joel 2.13, we're talking about the heart. It says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Think about that. Rend your heart and not your garments. Back in the biblical days, they would cover themselves in ashes and they would rent their clothing. They would just rip it, tear the clothing from their body. And he's saying, rend your heart and not your garments. You need to tear off the layers of that darkened heart. That's where the ripping off needs to come from. It has to start in the heart and return to the Lord for he is gracious it's such a good uh, vision of repentance and also that renewing of the mind and heart to get into alignment with him. And it starts from meeting him there at the cross. He meets us in that place. That's where it begins. We have to start there. If we haven't met him at the cross, transformation's not possible. Right. Now, there could be worldly changes. You know, I've seen people that are not believers that go to rehab and they give up drugs or they give up alcohol. Great. It's all by works, and it has nothing to do with the spiritual walk. It's, it has nothing to do with the power of God, so to speak, on that. I think it does reflect in some way the power of God through people leading people to things or Uh, bringing revelation that might bring them in, but it's their works until they've met him at the cross. It's by our works. When we meet him there, it becomes a supernatural process then. It's so different. There's a true 
transformation in what we're walking in and what we're doing. It's not just by works. It's not superficial. It's not by worldly standards. And it might even be mocked by the world. Yeah, it probably will be. It will be. (laughs) But that's the true transformation we're talking about. And it has to start. So if you're listening and you have not received Christ, if you haven't met him at the cross, it has to start there. Right. You know, and today is the day to say, God, I want to offer myself as a living sacrifice. I want you to come into my life. I repent of the sin and the lies that I've believed, and I'm ready to receive you as my Lord and Savior. I want to live a transformed life. I want you to come in and help me do that because it's only by your power. That's where we start. Then on the other side of the cross, now we're living a resurrection life. We don't stay at the cross. There's times that we might have to come back to it. You know, we might have to repent. We're not by any means perfect, and I don't want to use that as a crutch because I feel like that's demonic in nature to go back to saying, oh, we're only human. No, I'm sorry, we're no longer human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, once we came to Christ, he says that we're new creations, we're new creatures. Yeah, We're not human anymore. Yeah. So uh, to say I'm only human is demonic in nature, no, you're mm-hmm. not human anymore. But what I will say is that there's times that we do have to come back to the cross and we've got to repent. Like, oh, man, I believed that lie. It just it came right over me. It got past. I got to take it to the cross. I got to nail this thing up. You think that's Um, why you said you're a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. It just gave me total revelation that so many people say I'm only human. And he said, "Now, no, now you're not only human; you're a new creature." And right, when you're you said human. that, I'm just like my mind was blown. Like thinking we changed to our, a different creature. Yeah, we're but, not human anymore. No, you know, you think about Jesus; he's God and he's man, mm-hmm. and so we are a brother to Jesus or a sister to Jesus. Right. We're adopted into the family of God. So now. We're half human, half God, like he is. Not to say we are God, but because he resides in us, God is in us. Right. So we're the two. There's a this this trinity that's in us right. as well mm-hmm. that we're carrying because it's his presence. Although we might be living in earthen vessels, we are not human. Right. We are not human. Yeah. And there's so many people that think that since I go to church, I'm that. But no. that's not it. it no. It's just a place to gather, and it's a wonderful place to gather because God, he calls us to community. He wants us to be a family, and the church allows us a home to be able to come together as a family each week. I don't know about you, but I know that for a lot of Southerners especially, I can speak because I'm from the South. But I know that um, that's only three states. From Canada, so that's not really it might south. be, but it is south, and you'll see the difference in those three states if you go down. Sundays were a big day to where the families would come together, and it was like you would have these Sunday dinners. You would come together, and people playing football outside, and uh, kids playing together. The family was eating together. Just It was like little mini family reunions every Sunday that would take place at Mom and Pap's or at Mom and Dad's house or whatever. Whoever was hosting that 
And usually it was the matriarch or patriarch of the family that would host these Sunday dinners. And the whole family would come in and it was just like a time to gather and just connect as a family. Because through the week, we're all living in separate homes. We're all, we all have our jobs. We have everything. But on Sunday, we can come back together as a family unit. And that's what we do as a church. Right. You know, we right. all have our own homes we live in. We all have our day-to-day jobs that we do. But Sunday is a time that we can gather together as family. And we partake in this meal, which is the Word of God, and this communion together, and this connecting with one another and growing spiritually and also closer to one another as brothers and sisters. But it's not this place of, if I go here, then I'm going to heaven, because that's a false sense of what the truth is. It's a lie. The truth of the matter is, if you're without Christ, I don't care where you go on Sunday, you're not going to enter the gates of heaven. Right. You just won't. I mean, that's that's the reality of it because it's in Scripture, and that's the divine Word of God. So in order to enter into the Holy of Holies, to enter into heaven, I mean, we do that here. We do that here. It starts now when we come to the cross and we repent and we receive him. Just going to church is not going to cut it. Right. I mean, yeah, it'll be a good social hour for you maybe, but that's not going to last for eternity. Right. right. I think a lot of people come start coming to church because, not because they want to be transformed, but it's because they want to look good for their community. Right. And then that only lasts for so long. But, you know, the good thing is, is that we all might have different motives about how we got to Christ. Uh-huh. But God has a motive to say, you know what? I don't care what brought you here today. I'm about to blow your world up. Just like for you, your thing was, well, if nothing else, it's going to help me to live a different life. One that maybe is better by the law. I'll at least live a better life, a stronger character or one of integrity. Right. And so that might have been the hook that drawed you in, but and God will use that. We've heard people say, well, I just came to church because you guys were serving food on Sundays, and I came in for a free meal. Right. I didn't want to hear the gospel. I just came in to eat. Mm-hmm. And But God will use that, and he'll get people in, and he'll transform their hearts. There might be some people coming just because they're like, you know what? I want to socialize, and church is a good place to meet people. They might not even be thinking anything to do with having something to do with a relationship with God. It might just be, well, it's a good place to mingle and meet people, so I'm going to go. God will use that to get their attention and draw them in. So whatever brings them in, God has a plan, and he will use it. Right. But the biggest thing is not staying in this place of denial and living a lie, thinking that you're going to get to heaven just because you're sitting in a chair in a church building. Right. I've heard of people that go to church a lot and then don't even read their Bible. It's yeah. like, that's the Matthew 6 when he, hey, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we raise the dead? And, and he replies, depart from me. I never knew you, you yeah. doers of iniquity. You know, you get so wrapped up in what you're doing. Hey, I'm part of this group. I'm part of that group. I'm on church on Sunday. I'm doing all this stuff. But you didn't get to know me. And right, right now, the main way to really get to know who God is is through his word. He, oh, yeah. He's taking time out to say, 
I'm going to rate you the instruction manual and and don't be like men and not read it. Pick it up and read it because usually we put it together wrong if we don't read it. Right. Well, you know, I think about it even deeper than that. It is an instruction book. I think it's our ancestry. It's our heritage. It is our lineage. A lot of people will desire to find out where is my heritage, where is my roots. They want to know. They want to identify with where they came from, what what their roots are, what their heritage is. We have that to access. We don't need a blood test. The blood test was already done. Right. That was nailed to the cross. The blood work was already done. The DNA is already inside of us. We're new creations. So with that, the Bible is this rich heritage of our DNA. It's the character and the divine glory of God, but also he shows us where we came from to where we are now. Yeah. Egypt to now the promised land. And that is our heritage. That's what we walk in. It's a reminder so that we can walk in authority and power knowing who we are and whose we are. Because when we can read in Scripture what he delivered our ancestors from, then we know now we've already been delivered. We've already been set free. We're already, we were born in the promised land. At the moment that we met him at the cross, we entered the promised land. Right. That is our Ancestry.com right there. It's a relationship book. It is. And it teaches us. We study our spouses. We study our children. And we study the people that we want to have relationships with. And what better way to study God than through the Word. Right. And then understand that Holy Spirit comes in and then tap into that and really start to commune with Him. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. And... Knowing that we can read from the rich history of Scripture and know that this is where we came from. And it doesn't matter anymore, not to say that our family, our earthly family, is no longer valuable to us, because they certainly are. God has value in everybody's lives, and He brought us through where we're at right now for a reason and a purpose and a place. And we've been appointed to this life, to this family, to this season, everything. He had it all planned from the start. But we're not a part of that DNA anymore. We're in his DNA. So our ancestry has to come out of that Bible. Right. You know, whatever else we try to trace down, it's not us. That was the old us. The new us, my ancestry is Ruth, David. These are the people that I come from, Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Joseph Joseph and all of them there that's my family heritage right there I can read about and know who they are through the word and the scripture but more importantly know who God is through how he interacted through their lives how he transformed them we see a book of transformation taking place in the Bible with every story, we see transformation. Right. With every story, we see how David was transformed from the shepherd boy into this warrior. And we see how he was transformed from a murderer into being a, a, a wonderful king and representation of Christ. Right. So let's take that to the world. So say I'm a business owner and I'm transforming my mind 
does that mean I stop doing business or do I change the way I do business? Oh, yeah, you absolutely would change the way you do business because if you're being led by the Spirit of God, your business will be a fruit of that yeah. too. And that's what I was thinking with David. He was a shepherd. He was slaying giants of bears and lions. Mm-hmm. And then God said, okay, now we're going to bring you into... And, and what did he say to Goliath? Who, who's defiling my, my name, the name of my God? You know, right. Uh, you know, yeah. So. That goes beyond even just business owners. It's any position you're in. Right. So if you're working on an assembly line in a factory, you most definitely can go in there just doing work, or you can go in there with the, a ministry. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like. Holy Spirit, if you're a believer. Right. I know for us, we see it in the lives of people in our church. People like Tammy going to work and people being drawn to her. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, they have to work in their place on assembly or wherever they're at. But at every opportunity, if they need direction or they're in a dark place, her light shines to where they're drawn to her and they come to her. They come seeking her out. Right. So we can do that. We can walk with so much of Christ in us that no matter what job it is, if we're a manager, mm-hmm. if we are a cashier, if we are a custodian, a handyman, if we're a handyman, a lawn care, professional. a lawn care, if we're a business owner, if we drive Uber, whatever it is that we do, we could shine the light of Christ so much that not only our coworkers are being transformed around us. But we're transforming cities and nations Amen. through our love. And we can do that. Yep, yep, absolutely. I mean, think of it as if you're a boss and that way you treat your employees. I think about um, Stanley Tam. That's the difference about the world's view. See, because we can see through godly lenses. Right. And we can see what the world can't. That's why when a doctor comes up and says, I think you have this, and we say, I don't receive that. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. no, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Because we see through a different set of lenses. It's like we ain't taking on that lie. Mm -mm. No, we don't have nothing to do with that. Nope. Nope. So that's good, though. I got to transform mine, and and I want my doctor to have a transformed mind. That's right. You know, we've seen so many people go to their doctors and say, I know that you said I was going to need surgery for this, but I had someone pray over it, so I'm believing for that healing. And then the doctors check and say, wow, their mind's blown because a bone has healed that would have taken surgery, has healed supernaturally within weeks so now the doctor's saying well you know what can we pray over this right because now the doctor is seeing that there's something to that prayer there's something to the supernatural power of god that they didn't invite in to their practice right and it's transforming people think about walking in that transformational power now you're transforming cities because i'm at the doctor i'm telling him i'm going to stand on the truth i'm not going to receive a lie not to be rude not to be but i will honor what god's called them to and stand on the truth now they're learning from that even if they don't understand it when they see the evidence of god working and they can't deny it it starts to plant a seed in them. And before you know it, now these doctors are now saying, 
well, do you mind if I try to pray for you and see if it works? You know, (laughs) think about how that's transforming somebody there because you're standing on the truth. You're being renewed by God. Your mind's being renewed by him. You're not falling to the, I'm just going to accept what people tell me. No, I'm going to stand on the truth and that's going to prevail over anything. Amen. People need to start today. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow the Holy Spirit free access to your heart and to your mind. How? Spend time in the scriptures. Spend time in prayer. Spend time worshiping and praising the Lord. We love you. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and like us on all of our social media pages at Holy Spirit Living. We encourage you to look for the gold in others today. Be blessed. But better yet, be a blessing.